We almost talk about working on your existing projects in this podcast because we believe in 99% of the cases, you will be better off fixing what you have rather than starting something new. However, it has come to our attention that a lot of our listeners just haven't started yet. Maybe you are a consultant or you're working in an agency and you're thinking of getting your own properties going, or maybe you've just never done online marketing and you're curious. Or maybe you've listened to last week's podcast and you decided that it was time for you to pivot to a new project. Or you just don't give a shit about another shiny object. Well, in any case, in today's podcast, we will talk about some of the niches we have looked into and why we're considering getting into them at some point in time. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I think at this point we have the new jingle rolling for the podcast. Is that correct, Mark? It is, yes. So we're curious to hear what people think about it. Yeah, let's see what they find that we didn't hear, like the previous one. So let's see. So let us know what you think. Uh, You can tweet at us or whatever, or you can drop us a review for that podcast for that matter. So that will help the podcast and we get to know what you think. Let's just not really do an intro. Nobody cares about intros. So we're going to talk about niches right now. Uh, We all have 40 minutes to talk about seven of them. So yeah, let's go into that. The rules is we don't say if we have sites in these niches or if we are considering building sites in niches. Some of them we have looked at. Some of them we have looked at but abandoned. Some of them we have looked at and still have on top this. Some of them we might have worked in them, whichever. We won't really tell you that. But what we'll tell you is that they have retained our attention to some level. And we'll try to explain why they have retained our attention. Usually we try to focus on what we have these days, but it might not be forever. So those might be niches that we're not yet into, but we might get into at some point, which is, it's not exactly, it's interesting that we decided to share them, but I think it's interesting for the audience, definitely. So we're going to do that. So Mark, why don't you just take the first one? Okay, so the first niche is DNA testing. I'm actually going to tell the story because it's quite interesting. I mean, we, we came across this niche towards the end of last year as we're looking at starting a few new sites. And this was one which came, we were sort of shortlisted, but ultimately we didn't go ahead with it. That's not because it's a bad niche, but we'll get into that in a sec. So what is DNA testing, first of all? Well, it's the they send you a kit to your home and you spit in a tube, you mail it back to them, and some computer will analyze and sequence all your DNA and tell you some cool stuff about your family history, which countries and which parts of the world you're, you go back to, even things like which part of the Neanderthal branch of human history you come from and crazy stuff like that. What's the chances that it's just all made up? <laughs> it also tells you what your chances are of various things happening, such as if you're a man, what are your chances of going bald? Or if you're well, just anyone, what are your chances of getting some certain like nasty illnesses and diseases like Alzheimer's and, and certain kinds of that? Now, this is by no means a crystal ball. It's not 100% accurate on that. And there are many, many things which can sway these things one way or the other. All it does is say whether people with your type of DNA are more or less likely to kind of like suffer from these things. That then enables you to take more precautions and maybe do extra screenings throughout your life and just keep an eye on on certain things. So that's certainly an attractive feature of of this to, to a lot of people. So, but overall, I mean, I've had this done. I, I use a company called 23andMe. 
And it wasn't really for any kind of long-term health thing. It was more just a bit fun. I was kind of curious. So, so I did it. What was fun that you found in your test? Like something that you'd be like, what the fuck? It tells you like what percentage of your DNA comes from certain sort of countries or, or groups of countries. So, I mean, not surprisingly, I'm about 70 something percent British and Irish, which was one, one group I'm from the UK. So you'd expect that. But I was also like 7% French, 8% German. And then there was like 1% North African and then some percentage Scandinavian as well. A bunch of things like that. It's just kind of interesting to see that because, I mean, all my family for several generations are what I thought were from uh, from Scotland, from UK. Yeah, it just goes to show you how uh, kind of mixed up the whole world is in, in that sense. So it's kind of cool. But we're going to save that for the philosophy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's get back to that as a niche. Because, I mean, it's, it's fair. Like, a lot of people probably won't be familiar with this or really understand what they do. But it's a new, it's a growing thing. I think the technology for it is relatively new. Like 10 years ago, you, you'd need some kind of supercomputer to do this. But now it's, it's fairly easy. So there's a lot of commercial companies offering this. It's gotten and it's get, getting more and more and more popular these days. So obviously, that means that it's a potential interesting niche for authority sites. And we looked into it quite a bit, and we, we almost went ahead with the, with the site in the space, actually. Some of the things we looked at were kind of like how to get traffic. And like this isn't a huge niche in that sense. It's, and, and that was actually ultimately the reason why we decided against it, just because the it was quite new and the potential opportunity was relatively low. I say relatively, I mean, we were estimating you could make like a good site in the space could make sort of 10K a month or something like that with a bit of work. Yeah, I remember we abandoned it because the commission rates were quite low. They would only pay like $10 per, per sale or something, which was, it was like 10%, which for this kind of service is fairly low. But since everyone was on that level, there was no real competition. That can change overnight. So, but, but at this point, it wasn't a lot, I remember. Yeah, this is why I still think this is an interesting niche and good space because I, I really feel like there's going to be a lot of opportunity and a lot of developments happen in here. I feel like some of the bigger players or maybe new players are going to come in and, and try and kind of buy market share by putting it up, putting up good good affiliate offers. So if you're in there now, I think this is a really good kind of long term play that you kind of go for. There are other sites kind of doing this already and. They're okay. They're, none of them are particularly amazing. I think probably as a consequence of the, the relatively low payouts. We did also reach out to a number of the affiliate programs, affiliate managers, and hard, first of all, hardly any of them even got back to us. And those that did, they didn't really seem to be a kind of thing they were prioritizing. Uh, it's just, yeah. It's not there yet. You can see it's like it's it's dormant, but it's something that could pick up. It's something that you can make your money back. You're not going to get rich from this. It's kind of a bet on the future, this niche, you know? The thing is as well, like, I think this is a great niche for like a beginner because the competition is very, very low. So it's not like some of the others we're going to talk about today. In fact, most of the others where you really do have to kind of know what you're doing a bit to kind of get anywhere. But with this one, a relative beginner can, I think, do make, certainly make job replacement income without too much difficulty. Yeah. There's some cool queries as well. So it's like, I think when I checked the keywords, there was two interesting like types of keywords that I saw. First one was like best DNA test for. So like a DNA test works for 
any human, right? But people don't understand that. So you have best DNA test for Jewish people, best DNA test for Christian people, best DNA test for black people, best DNA test for white people, best DNA test for Native American people, et cetera, et cetera. So there's actually hundreds of keywords on like best DNA tests, which I found hilarious when I saw it, but yeah, search intent. And I know the type of keyword that I literally know other site, like I'm giving away some really good competitive advantage to anyone that's listening to this because no other DNA site I saw did that. But, you know, when you do these tests, you were saying, like, it gives you the chances you have to, like, let's say, get Alzheimer's or get cancer or get whatever, one of these things, right? And types of cancer. And there's a lot of search volume on, am I going to get cancer? Am I going to get lung cancer? Am I going to get Alzheimer? Who is my dad? Who is my father? So really big keywords. And these are prime for an affiliate site to rank for and to essentially say, if you really want to, like, we can, you know, cancer depends on your lifestyle, etc. But if you really want to know, like, from your DNA, what the chances are that you will get lung cancer, then take this test and boom, affiliating. And so that's one of the things I was looking at in this niche. It's like the best DNA test keywords are not massive, but these kind of keywords, there is some big ones. They're not the easiest to rank for. But if you manage to rank for them, there's a ton of traffic to put in front of an offer that's relevant to them. So you can make a decent money ranking for a few of these plus a bunch of best DNA test type keywords. So yeah, that's that's an okay niche. It's not a niche that will make you half a million a month at this point, but it's a niche that can definitely make job replacement income. It's kind of interesting because it's a beginner's niche that's not Amazon, which you know is fairly rare these days. So I, I quite like it personally. I think it's like, I'm telling you, there's like 10 DNA sites getting started right now. Anyway, let's jump onto the next one because otherwise we're going to run out of time. We are going to run out of time regardless. So the next one is, is a bit of a complete opposite. It's a web hosting and WordPress. Very well-known niche, extremely competitive. It's like, if you don't know what you're doing, like for us, we're starting to consider this because we've, we've already competed in, competi- in difficult niches. We're, no, we're good at finding these kind of like keywords that like go around the difficulty rather than like taking main competitors up front right away. Like we're really good at finding these kind of keywords. So I have no doubt that if we made a WordPress hosting or web hosting niche type site, it would take a long time for us to make our money back, but I have no doubt we'd make our money back. So some hosting companies, to give you an idea, pay up to like $200 per commissions, sometimes more for the high-end ones. I know that Kinsta can pay you like $400, $500 per commission if you refer a high-paying plan. But overall, yeah, like very difficult, but very high-paying. There's kind of two ways to go towards that niche. There's um, so you can either make an advanced website or a beginner's website. Beginner's website is going to be the traditional how to start a blog type website and selling web hosting, that kind of stuff. And I'm actually going to give a third angle, but in a different niche later. And the other angle is to make more of a professional site. So it's a site that's like for people that are already web professionals, so like WordPress professionals, etc. That kind of site can do quite well and uh, can sell web hosting and WordPress stuff together. Usually that's kind of like two main angles there is. You can take sub-niches within this, but that's basically it. The problem is that link building in this niche is going to, I mean, first of all, there's absolutely excellent content in that niche already. So if you want to one-up that, you better be a really good content creator. Like even us getting in there, like I'd be, it would be work, it would be grind. To give you a sort of example of the kinds of things people are doing in, in hosting, there are people who have set up demo sites on every host there is and for like three years and constantly been monitoring the performance of that over time so they can graph and chart all that data and say, 
which one is really the fastest, the best and stuff. Maybe those things can be improved on. I won't say too much more on that, but this is the level you're, you're playing at. You really have to bring your A game with it. Your, your best pages are going to cost you like 30, 40 grand. Like the biggest keywords, if you want to make, if you want to create that data, the original data, that's, that's the price of the top pages you're going to try to rank just to create the content. So we're not even talking about inbuilding here. And talking about inbuilding, it's going to be a grind. I mean, if you start from a fresh domain, it's going to be, I would say, two years, two and a half years before you even start seeing your return, a return on your effort. So it's a long-term ga- it's game. It's also paid links are a big, big thing in, in, in this space as well, especially with hosting and that. Not just paid links. It's also like a lot of companies have a lot of tie together. So like some hosting companies own some affiliate sites. Some big plugin and themes company own some of these affiliate sites as well. And they're able to essentially use the authority of their main site to push the other one. Like, so it's a very intricate world. So for example, I'll give you an example. One of the biggest hosting affiliate is WP Beginner, which is kind of like a, a, a mix of what I said earlier. It's like WordPress plus beginners, basically. But they also own Optin Monster. They also own WP Forms. They also own several other blogs. In, they actually own like four or five affiliate sites targeting the exact same keywords as WP Beginner in that niche. And they're able to interlink all these things. If you check the footer of these sites, you'll see like the network of sites. They have a lot. And so like taking these guys, it's like you're not taking one site. You're taking a conglomerate of sites, making a lot of money. I mean, like Optin Monster is not a small company. WP Beginner makes millions per year, etc. So really competitive Probably not the kind of competitors you want to take up front right away, but rather go for the small keywords and just grind your way up over time. It's almost like a decade project type thing, unless you're like spending an absolute, absolute ton of money up front, which is why a lot of people that get in that niche acquire sites. They tend to acquire like smaller sites that already have a little bit of links, etc. And yeah, it's a bit of a grind. So basically, it's a very difficult niche with a very high opportunity. I mean, I think the biggest sites make mid six figure months um at least in ho- in hosting commission i would not be surprised if someone broke a million but we don't know about it i i think more i would say seven figures a month the easy and and, and i mean they, they probably spend a lot in um even in their seo and stuff they probably spend a really good amount of that but those are the kind of numbers we're talking about here it's it's, it's crazy so it's it's something that we probably need to drop everything else to do properly if we are getting into that, it's like we'd need to drop everything else. If we were really going for the big kills, we'd need to drop everything else and pretty much put most of our money in that. So that would be a very competitive niche. But something that we're looking at, I'm not saying we'd never get into it, to be honest. That'd be a fun challenge. I don't think, I'm not sure we'll get rich from it, but I think we'd make our money back at least. Okay, I'll let you take the next one. Uh, the next one is photography. Uh, now, this is, I guess, more of a sort of traditional space, been around for a while. But what's been happening in recent years is that, like, for example, I have a, a OnePlus 6 cell phone, and it's a year and a half old, something like that. We were going to upgrade our phones. Gail wanted to upgrade his to, he got a OnePlus 7 Pro or something, was it? I didn't because we've reached this point in time where, like there's not no difference really between between phones. Okay, the chips are a little bit faster and and whatnot, and that's maybe important. But in general, it does the same thing now as it, it could do. The one exception to that, though, 
is the camera in the phone. So they are actually still improving quite fast. We've got to that point now where they're very good. And someone like me that doesn't take much photos probably wouldn't notice. But you take a photo on a two-year-old iPhone and a current iPhone, and you can see the differences quite, quite a lot. So anyone who's into photography, even just a little bit, uh, you know, for Instagram or something, I'm not talking about professionally, still cares about these things. And so there's a lot of, I guess, interest in digital photography and especially digital photography from a, from a phone perspective. So this is a, is a big opportunity. Couple that with a lot of the players in the space, in the photography space, they are camera enthusiasts and not business owners, marketers, SEO people. There are a few exceptions to that. So we interviewed uh, Josh Dunlop, who runs Expert Photography on, on this podcast uh, a couple of years ago, and he talked about it. I think they're actually the largest photography site in the world now, actually. He's, he's, he's grown, grown quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. From an SEO perspective, at least. For, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. Sure, yeah. But yeah, very, very interesting space. So how do you get traffic in the photography space? There's a lot of like how-to guides, how to use filters, how to take X types of photo how to shoot at night, you know, these, these kinds of things. There's also a lot of, really a lot of products. So if you're just shooting on your iPhone or something, you might think, oh, what else do I need? But actually there's loads of accessories. You get all these different kinds of lenses that you clip onto it, stands, covers, battery packs. Microphones, like usually microphones, built-in microphones in phones are terrible. So you can buy these mini shotgun microphones that you can tie to it. And it's like much better sound actually. Yeah, so really there's like a lot going on there. And in the digital camera space, you know, the traditional DSLR, it's the same thing, you know, with lenses and, and just new cameras coming out all the time. It's crazier. It's crazier. I mean, the amount of lenses that there is, I mean, it's like, I, I did cute research in this as well. I bought a camera and I was like looking, anytime I buy anything, I do cute research for it. Don't ask me why. So I was buying these lenses for the camera and I was like wondering, because these lenses have really long names. Like, for example, I have a Canon 24mm pancake lens. Like, that's, that's the name of the lens, right? It's like, it's actually, it's, there's probably more to it, I just can't remember. But, like, it's for, like, a three-quarter sensor, et cetera. So, there's quite, it's really a long queue. So, I put this name, plus review. And I was expecting, you know, let's say, like, 100, 200 people searching for that. For that, plus review, there was 2,500 search volume on Ahrefs. And that was, like, one lens of one camera that can get hundreds of lenses, and as for one type of sensor in a DSLR, it's like there's also mirrorless cameras, etc. There's like different types. It's crazy. So you're talking thousands of lenses, each with hundreds, thousands of search, like search volume per lens. However, there is a, a lot of very good photography review sites. So it's not like you can exploit all these keywords like that, but by doing your research, etc., you can find gaps where you can get into even with a smaller site. And uh, and these lenses are really expensive. I mean, like the cheapest lens is like two hundred bucks, I would say. Which means that the affiliate commissions you're going to get from it, even if you're on Amazon, uh, you know, whatever that is, like four to eight percent, something in there, it's still going to be very high because you you can pay you know a thousand dollars for for a lens. Usually they're a bit cheaper, but but still, it just kind of shows you the potential there. There's a shop called BNH that's very very popular for photographers that has an affiliate program. And they pay up to 8% as well. And photographers do buy from it. I would say probably the conversion rate is going to be close enough to Amazon. There is like good specialist affiliate programs in that niche. 
And so, yeah, it's crazy. And and that is only talking about lenses, right? We're not talking about camera bodies. We're not talking about sound recorders, lights, backgrounds, all that stuff. If people are checking, I have like a photography background behind me right now. People buy these things, it really adds up to be a lot of money. But because it's for their job very often, they don't mind spending the money, which is a good thing in a niche. Because if people are not afraid to like expense stuff, then commissions are great, you know? It's also one of these spaces where you need to pay upfront to get into it. So what happens in a lot of areas is people say, oh, I want to get into photography, but they can't just try it out for free. They have to buy a camera to even start it. And a lot of people, when they get into something, they never follow through and they, they don't end up doing it. It's like uh, golf's another example here. You got to buy the clubs to play. So because of that phenomenon, there's really a lot of money to be made because it's not just people who are in it long term, but it's everyone who wants to get into it that you can sort of capitalize on as well. The other good thing about photography niches is it's very easy to build or relatively easy to build links compared to some of the other ones we, we're going to talk about today. A lot of things to talk about, a lot of info keywords there as well. So link building should be relatively straightforward. And in terms of monetization, we talked about the affiliate programs. There are a lot of uh, info products as well, courses, how to take better photos in X situation that are out there. Some are better than others, but yeah, big market for that as well. Big consumer market for that. So that's something you can, can look at too. I want to add as well that it's a great niche for social media as well. Yeah. If you take great photos, etc., like Facebook groups, all that stuff, there's so many. Pinterest, it's really big for photography, all these things. So. I really like niches where you can do social media these days because it's kind of like forces you to do the right choices. You have to like build a community, build an email list. Like social media is the perfect place to like get the burst of traffic, convert some people to email subscribers, build a retargeting list if you're selling something, just build more than just a simple affiliate site. And photography is one of these niches where you can get traffic next week if you play well on social media, which is kind of cool for like getting a cool kickstart on your site. So yeah, that's that's also one of these issues where you can do that. So I quite like it, to be honest. I'll let you take the next one as well because you added it in there, basically. Okay, so the next one is uh, personal finance. Huge, huge space. Let's just start by talking about finance in general. It won't, escaped, it won't have escaped many people's understanding that debt levels are the highest they've ever been, personal debt levels. Things like travel hacking getting really, really popular these days. Just the dynamics of millennials starting to get older and perhaps thinking about or starting to think about longer term savings and retirements. Baby boomers starting to sort of pass away and the inheritance from one generation to the other. How do you manage that that inheritance? Then we've got the fintech revolution. Revolut just launched this new free trading system for in Europe, actually. I think that's the first one ever. Many, many developments with uh, financial services and, and apps and really cool stuff happening transfer-wise, these, these kinds of things. So this whole space is just like, it's really important right now. And it's there's a lot of cool stuff happening. And I see over the next 10, 15 years, it just getting even bigger. I just want to say, like, we are in this very, very important period where basically baby boomers that were holding all the money, all the capital are passing it on to the next generation. That's essentially what's going to happen in the next 20 years. That means the amount of new accounts open, the amount of new investments created, the amount of new insurance policies signed up for, the amount of you know, houses bought and loans taken from, let's say, like someone made some money from their inheritance and then bought a house and mortgaged the rest and that kind of stuff. It's going to be much higher than it has been for a long time because of that kind of like 
generational thing that's just like inheritance from the end of World War II, really, which is this demographics phenomenon will make the finance industry make a lot of money and therefore distribute a lot of commissions and affiliates. Yep. In general, and, and there are just so many ways to go with, with personal finance, but the, the money in it is probably one of, if not the highest money niche, no pun intended, because it is money, but in terms of the, the revenue potential that there is, the, the way in which sites generally make money is through, well, really, there's actually many ways. You often think, oh, it's just credit card signups and bank, uh, loan sign-up affiliate programs, which pay a colossal amount of money, hundreds. Like, I've read up to like $400, $500 for certain credit card signups. Provided you have the volume as well. Yeah, which is crazy. Like, it's not if you make one sell. But... Which is crazy. So I'm, I'm re- I'd be really curious to see how sites like creditcards.com or the points guy how much they really make i think the points guy is a good one it shows you literally they have no ads they literally just the only way they monetize 90 percent of their content is just having the title of the article and below that they have this kind of like ribbon with like the best cows to take and then that's it and uh, they're already profitable just from that little ribbon and three links in there they don't need to put any other ads on the rest of the page which is which means they make a lot of money and the other thing to consider is actually ad revenue in this space is also massive. So you often think of, you know, on YouTube or, or even on, on blogging, when you're putting ads up in a space which has really high commissions for affiliate signups, it's kind of a waste. But I don't know if that's really necessarily the case. There's there's a YouTuber called Graham St- Stefan, Stephen, who's based in, I think, Los Angeles in, in the US. And he's sort of I think in his late 20s, and he blogs about personal finance. But it's kind of like quirky YouTube style. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of fun to watch. His channel does pretty well, actually. I think he has less than a million subscribers, but he did like an analysis of how much he made per month. And he had 10 million views in February of this year, and he made $100,000 in ad revenue just from YouTube, which is a lot higher than many... than basically any other YouTuber would make for the same amount of views. That's 10 times more than the average or something, you know? And the reason for that is because the people who are watching his channel are interested in financial products. Advertisers who want to sell their products, their financial products, want to advertise on his channel. So the market forces work there to to really drive up the, the, the revenue there. Yeah, and, and probably he gets a lot of sponsorship offers as well. So he doesn't just make this much. He's just the advertising from YouTube. But probably he starts most videos like, oh, this, this video is sponsored by TransferWise. This video is, transfer, is sponsored by QuickBooks. This video is sponsored by all these guys, basically. He doesn't actually do that too, too often, I've, I've seen. But I'm sure, I'm sure there are many, many deals out there that he's, he's got going. Yeah. Anyway, the, so the potential in this space, huge, like the highest of anything we're talking about today, I think. But the difficulty is also the highest of anything we're talking about today. Link building, for example, like unless you're throwing money at it, forget it. Like nobody will link to you. It's so hard to build free links in the finance space. And yes, you can do certain. I think you can if you like. If you talk about business, I think if you like talk about business, then you can blog, you can get guest posts on like business sites, etc., for free. And then you just kind of like tweak your homepage to be a little bit hazy on what you talk about, you know, so that when they review anything. I'd also say that uh, Harrow, helperreporterout.com, it would be very good in finance because there's always a lot of finance questions come up in there that journalists are asking. And if you can respond quickly to those, you you, you stand to get quite, quite good links. Uh, there is some ways to get free links, but not enough. 
Yeah, not enough to compete on the highest skills. I think also if you're really good at keyword research, you can find that. So because finance is so tied to like the news and new laws and all that stuff that's coming up, it means new keywords get manufactured all the time, right? Essentially, like because of new topics emerge, there's new keywords. And that means that the, obviously, if the big size write about it, you're still struggling, but you're not competing against pages that have hundreds of links on day one, you know? So if you're good at like news jacking and just finding these tiny keywords, like really in this niche, because it pays so high, like a keyword with like a hundred searches per month, ranking number one is amazing, you know? Or ranking number five on like uh, 500 searches per month keyword, it, it will be profitable. So you don't, you know, if you are really, really good at picking at picking your battles, I think you can actually get some traffic in there. Yeah, it will be it will be a rough start, but eventually it's doable. And honestly, these days I kind of prefer getting in these niches with high settings and like struggling at the beginning and having these little little gains at the beginning because essentially, like compare that to making an Amazon site, right? In the end, like Amazon sites at the beginning, they're also slow for different reasons. You get traffic in all of that, but you make like you know fifty cents or a dollar for a sale. And so, like to make like a thousand bucks, it still takes a bunch of traffic, etc. So, I think it's a bit harder, but not as hard as it looks on analytics. I would say. I guess that's it for the for the personal finance. Before we jump to the next one, I am going to do what I did last week, which is I'm going to give a shout out to our free webinar, which you can sign up to on the homepage of Atari Hacker. So it's very simple. Go on atarihacker.com. There's a big call to action for free training. You can sign up there. And for an hour and a half, I'll show you how to actually start one of these new authority sites. I talk about niche selection. So a lot of what we talked about today, but a bit of a different one. Like Then we're going to talk about site, site setup. Then we talk about content creation and outsourcing. And we talk about link building. So it's a pretty full training that you can check out. It will pitch your course at the end, but you don't have to buy the course to actually get the value of the webinar. So check it out if you want, atarihacker.com on the homepage. is a beautiful code to action. And that's it. Let's jump onto the next niche now, which is going to be uh, business apps. Business apps, I personally like software affiliate. That's one of my favorite because it's very easy to make real content around it. Like it's really easy to like give a test drive to to a piece of software, especially like for me, I live in Hungary, which is like, it's really hard to get your hands on like physical products, for example, if you want to do real reviews. So getting access to a SaaS or something like this is much easier. You can take your own screenshots, do your own tests. And a lot of the stuff that we do on Atari Hacker that we've done also on other sites, I tend to enjoy that. So business apps is great because these days, basically most services work like a software as a service. So it's just like you subscribe, you pay monthly or you buy a one-off, et cetera. And most of these actually do have affiliate programs. I actually saw that uh, Revolut has an affiliate program, Mark. So if we recommend Revolut, we should sign up for that. But anyway, what's also interesting with this is that they often have recurring affiliate programs if you, if it's a monthly service that people pay for, meaning that usually when, you, when you're an affiliate for recurring programs, it's not so great at the beginning. They pay you a bit less, but over time it kind of adds up. And it's also one of these things where for services that have high retention, we were talking about web hosting before, but maybe like accounting systems, for example. Uh, it's just painful to switch away from that to another system. And therefore, the retention can be years and years and years. I know, for example, for a fact, for talking from guys in the help desk industry, that the retention time is five years for people who onboard fully. Meaning that if you're an affiliate, you're going to get paid for five years every month for making that one sale one time. And even if it's, uh, if it's $10, five years... Uh, we're talking about like a seven, eight hundred dollars sale, right? It's just you won't get all the money right away. So really, really cool 
Yeah, it's actually three hundred, but yeah, ten dollars a month for five years. Yeah. Mm, no, because there's twelve months per year times five. Yeah, sixty dollars a year. Sorry. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> ten dollars. <laughs> Jesus, we need to start a math podcast to. to yeah, uh, but to you're not invited because that's like two weeks in a row you can't come. So. I know. So yeah, it's, it can be pretty good. But what I like about this niche as well is you, depending on your level, you can either be very broad. You can be like, I'm going to review all business apps, which is going to be quite competitive. There's some big sites in there that do that. Or you can specialize, right? Let's say I'm going to do business apps for restaurants. Yeah, it's not a big market, but because the commissions are high and because you build a very relevant site to the topic, let's say uh, best WordPress theme for restaurants or best accounting system for restaurants. And there's also software that helps you manage tables and all those, et cetera, that you can affiliate as well for restaurants. The competition is going to be very low and you are very likely to rank for these restaurant keywords against these more generic websites. So it's kind of nice that you can do that and, and do your market research on that. And you can build that like a classic affiliate site. So buy guys, you know, best X for Y, uh, single product review, alternative keywords, VS keywords, and then mix that with some info content. I mean, you can do a lot of it, how to maximize your revenue per table per night. Just sort of throwing it out there, but if I was going to do something like this, I probably wouldn't focus on, on restaurants. I'd pick a business which charges a lot of money and generally has very, very high profits. Dentists, I was thinking, would be, be an excellent one for this. Yeah, I'm picking restaurants because it's just talk to everyone. But like, yeah, do your cure research. Don't just do it. If you're listening to the podcast and you're just doing zero research, you don't deserve to succeed. <laughs> do a little bit of research. And then building links is actually not that bad in this, uh, in this industry. I'm actually going to give a, a tip that is specific to this because I've done it before, which is when you review a service, very often these services have pages that uh, feature testimonials on their website and they often link to the website that gave that testimonial. And what's really interesting is that often these testimonials have like, yeah, do follow links. And so what you can do is you can write your review and you can say, hey, I wrote that full review and can you include maybe this quote and write that quote for them in your testimonials page. And very often these tools will link to you uh, because you said something cool about them or something like that. And uh, if you check, like, for example, on Terrahacker, you can see it. If you check our link profile in Ahrefs, you'll see some of them. That's one way of building links on top of like guest postings, skyscraper, all the classic stuff. You can monetize with affiliate, but you can also monetize with sponsorship. These kind of companies, they're very used to sponsoring stuff. And you could also sell info products or services or something like this, like, you know, how to market your dental practice. I'm not sure how big the market is for that, but maybe it is. Or if you're selling to dentists, to be honest, I would rather just build a service and or white label someone else's service and just sell that on my site as well. So I quite like it because it's a niche that you can where you can moderate the difficulty. It can be either quite easy or it can be quite challenging depending on where you are. The payouts are pretty high and it's still manageable to get in that niche. So I quite like business apps in general and, and the software stuff. What I also like about it is it's, it's a good opportunity to build like a consistent, loyal following. You're not just ranking and banking kind of thing. You can build an email list conceivably in this space where dentists or whoever would, would subscribe and, you know, you tell them lots of things. Because other service providers for dentists would pay you a lot to be able to like do a blast of email or something like this and or a partnership with you, etc. So you, there's a lot of ways to market that, even, even for a smaller niche. So if you're a beginner, I would definitely go for a smaller niche. If you're more advanced, then you can go more general. Yeah, it's up to you, but I like this niche. Okay, so I'll take the next one because I did it in there and I have some stuff to say in there that is going to be quite specific to the niche. 
It's very different from software. It's a home decor improvement. I like this niche because it's very easy to get a lot of social traffic in this niche, like uh, Pinterest, Facebook groups, Instagram, that kind of stuff you can get. Because these images of like a nice home decor stuff is great, it's quite easy. Like getting a site to 100,000 visits per month in this niche is no big deal. It's like, it's not even hard to get to a million after like a year or two. So it's really like uh, you can get a lot of people on your site. doesn't mean everyone wants to buy stuff. It means some, some of them are just like looking around. But getting a large audience is easy. There's also a lot of expensive products. I know it for a fact because I renovated a place last year. It's so interesting like how that whole market is set up because there really is like you can spend so much money on stuff in your house. It's crazy. It's not like buying clothes where, okay, you have the expensive stuff like your Gucci, Louis Vuitton, whatever's in these days. But when it comes to your home, it's like that times 10 as, as for how far you can go. It's like home and marriage and wedding stuff. That's where everything is just completely overpriced and like vendors make so much money. Usually that's how it works. I mean, you can like, I was shocked to realize that you can buy a shower drain for $1,000. No problem. And I was like, like the shower drain is not the shower. It's just the little hole to like take the water when the water hits the floor, you know? So if you have a built-in shower, that can cost $1,000 from Geberit. So that's quite insane. And there's a lot, and these items are on sale on Amazon, by the way. So you can affiliate these on Amazon. I think they're like 5% commission, four, five. Don't quote me on that. I think I remember it was between four and five. So which is that like 50 bucks for one of these drains. So it's, it's actually quite nice payouts for these kind of things, especially because people probably don't just buy a shower drain. They probably buy the shower set with it. They probably buy, uh, you know, all these other things like the sh- not the shower glass, probably not, but they might buy the mat that comes out of it, etc. And if they're spending a thousand bucks on the shower drain, I don't even want to know how much they spend on the mat, but you get the idea. A lot of money is being spent in this niche. And uh, a lot of these keywords are low competition. I mean, like best shower drain is not exactly the most competitive keyword. And one thing I really like about home decor and home improvement is that it's very easy to jump into it with e-commerce, but not just that. Jump into this with uh, high-margin products because there's a lot of like really cool design products that are actually just produced in China that you can buy for fairly cheap because the design they're usually copied basically from the big brands. That is like you know you can take this from like a, let's say a five-figure per month affiliate site to an eight-figure per year e-commerce if you do if you play your cards right. And I like the idea of like sites that you can grow quite a lot at. So I like the fact that there's multiple traffic sources that are free and easy to get at the beginning. There is an easy monetization path at the beginning, which is like Amazon and a few others. And you also have the higher level that's available if you jump into e-commerce. And uh, how to build links. Actually, doing social media well in this niche will build you a lot of links. Don't ask me how I know. I just know. Skyscraper as well works really well. People just are really open to outreach in this niche. It's kind of like health. People will link to you. So that works pretty well. Just output a lot of content, do a lot of social media, and you get links over time. And monetization, I talked quite a bit about it. You can really, when you have a lot of traffic to your site, you can build all these marketable audiences as well, which is really powerful. So social followers, retargeting, email list, push notification, Facebook Messenger. There's so many ways to get people back to your site these days. Like before, there was just email. Now there's all these things. And if I was getting into this niche, my goal would be, okay, I can start with affiliate, but the real goal would actually be to source some of these like really cool design products in China, but do product launches. So like stock only one product, let's say like a cool lamp or whatever, and 
build these marketable audiences or social followers, retargeting list, email list, et cetera, et cetera, through my free blog content, through social media and SEO. And essentially just be like, hey, this product, I only have like 200 pieces for sale. Take care to buy. And only one product that I stock. So you can buy the, 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 the stock yourself. You don't have to drop ship. You get like 40% margins or something. And provided you get like, let's say a million visits per month on your site, which sounds like a lot, but in this niche, it's not that difficult. It's very easy to like get this going. And basically you do these launches and then you see which products do well. And eventually you just build up a permanent e-commerce store and you just do discounts when you want to like liquidate your stock basically. So that's usually, that's how I would go for this. And I'd say, I like this niche because it's a good balance between difficulty and opportunity of earnings. It's not web hosting payouts, etc. It's also a lot easier to get traffic. And it's kind of fun because you touch a lot of things. Like if you're doing these product launches, you can touch Facebook ads, retargeting, you're going to touch email, you're going to touch social, etc. So if you like these kind of projects that touch a lot of things, a lot of mediums, then it's a good project. I, I quite like it personally. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah, so the, the last one we're going to talk about today is dating. Now, you may think in this world of Tinder and Bumble and whatever else is popular with kids these days, that the dating industry from a commercial perspective wouldn't really have or would have dried up a bit. But in fact, the, the opposite seems to be true. It's the Tinder revolution seems to have uh, normalized online or internet dating or app-based dating. So all these other niche dating sites which, which exist out there, and there are a million and one of them, I think we talked about this in a podcast episode before, but there, there's like dating for farmers, for sailors, for every religion. There's a big site that is dating for Trump fans, you know? Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. The fact that all these things exist and there are commercial markets for it, I mean, most of the, the niche ones, users will have to pay money for it up front, I think. So the fact that that exists means that there's a good affiliate model in there as well. And they pay a lot as well. If you think about it, why people go on these these apps, these sites, it's ultimately like to, to find love, to find happiness. Often people are kind of sad, lonely. And, and these things together make for very motivated buyers. They're making emotional decisions to purchase something. And it's something which is not absolutely essential, but very, very important for kind of life, really. So, And there's all the social pressures that go on with the dating and relationships and, and stuff. So really, there's a very, very high demand for these kind of products and services that are being offered out there. And obviously, 7 billion odd people willing to uh, consider buying it. So it is, from a commercial perspective, really, really, really great niche. And it's it's only getting better, really. Yeah, there's a lot of weird keywords as well. Like, oh, like, what should I text her? What do I do? Like a lot of like dating related keywords, like what is the best first message to send? How to optimize my profile photo, etc. Lots and lots of like, it's like it's, it is a wide variety of keywords that you can create content around, which is nice. Like unlike web hosting, for example, where a lot of these keywords are very conglomerated towards like, oh, what is the best hosting for WordPress? What is the fastest hosting, etc. You know, so this is quite nice actually. So there's a lot of low competition angles that you can use to kind of get in there and start building up your authority, building up your your traffic quite quite nicely with that. Um, pure SEO like link building, I mean, is possible. And in, in, in many cases for the info stuff, it's okay. If you're going for like direct links from other dating sites, I imagine it would be very, very difficult and probably have to pay. But there's a lot of uh, cross-niching opportunities in, in here. 
So you can do posts such as, you know, the benefits of relationships for health or something, and then cross niche, try and get links from, from health sites. Even business sites, you can be like, oh, like power relationships, like power couples, et cetera, and like get a link from like a business site or something. There's a lot of ways. Or like how your dating life can impact your business success, like random kind of posts like that. And it's not that hard to build links if you cross niche and if you make your site just look respectable. I think it's, it's a branding exercise here. There are a lot of scammy looking sites and affiliate sites in, in that space. So you don't really have to do too much to really stand out and kind of appear or be legit. In terms of monetization, the biggest opportunity here is obviously uh, affiliate programs for dating platforms, dating sites. They, they can pay pretty high commissions in some, some cases. I remember we looked at this a while back. $140, I think. Uh, it's like, I mean, I think the Cupid group was paying like around 140 bucks per, per sale maxed out, basically. Which is a very high, yeah. So it's pretty good. But I, you can also sell info, right? So there's, there's different angles. It's not just like building a relationship. There's like maintaining relationships. There's a lot of like workshops and trainings and info products around that. Like how to save your marriage and stuff like that. How to get your ex back. <laughs> like all these but all these things they're, they're like what they have in common is like how motivated people are it's just like it's such a core part of their life they will the conversion rate will be really high basically and you will make good money please don't, like don't send them to the to the shittiest offers but uh but yeah people will be really motivated i think it's my dignity that says that this is the number one factor he looks for in a niche is like how motivated people are and this is one of the highest and again there's a lot of like small keywords that you can just like Take here and there, like build a site with a lot of pages. You don't like the biggest keywords obviously will be competitive, but if you look around a bit, then you can find stuff that's a lot easier. Like how to pick up girls as well. A lot of like trainings on that. Even, you know, Tinder training is a big niche these days. People buy ebooks on like how to be good on talking to girls on Tinder, for example. That is a great sub niche for that main niche. And if you started a photography site, like we mentioned earlier, you know, your photos are obviously going to come how to take photos for Tinder. That's a great course right there. You know, maybe someone who starts a photography site from this podcast and someone who starts a dating site from this podcast can work together partner up yeah. on, on some content collaborations. But yeah, so that it's literally like um, it, it depends on which angle you take. And, and again, it's going to take good research. But to be honest, it's kind of something that is common to most great niches. It's like the obvious keywords, they're, they're busy. There's a lot of people there. It will take you to scratch your head a little bit. And I gave some examples in this podcast on how you can find alternative angles to like sell stuff. I think, uh, which one did I mention? I can't remember. Oh yeah, the, the DNA site when I was like, oh, like who is my father and these kind of keywords. Like this is not obvious affiliate keywords, but this is the kind of keywords where you can create content that leads towards like a call to action to an affiliate offer. So that kind of stuff, this is the creative level that will be needed from you if you are brand new into that niche and you're getting into something slightly competitive. But the upside is if you are able to make this project somewhat profitable with these easy keywords, then you can essentially fund it forever and grind your link building, et cetera, out there, like pay the salaries you need to pay, et cetera, and come back a year or two later, and then you can compete on these big keywords and make a lot of money. So that is basically it for this podcast. We're basically done here. So guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this kind of podcast. It's kind of like light list podcast where we're able to like share like real life market research we've done with you and like all that kind of stuff. If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe. If you're not subscribed yet, you can also drop us a review if you really liked it and if you want more of these kind of podcasts. We are 
everywhere. We're on iTunes, we're on Google Podcast, we are on Spotify, and honestly, on SoundCloud as well. We have a lot of followers now. But the rest, ah, we're, we're on there, but don't use them. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a good week. Bye.